20 minutes it is uh, before 9 p.m. We now go into our Thought Leader Thursday. And uh, we're going to be, uh, well, I'm already joined in studio by Mamadoupi Mushala. She's the Chief Executive Officer at the Estate Agency Affairs Board, uh, which is a statutory regulator of the estate agency profession here in South Africa. And uh, it was established by the Estate Agency Affairs Act 112 of uh, 1976. And she's going to be telling us all about the work that they're doing there. And more importantly, uh, trying to get more black faces and black women into the space. Um, I must say, I only know of one black woman. Uh, I know of many other white women who have uh, estate uh, agencies. I think of Kuliswatini all the way out in the Eastern Cape. Uh, that's the only person I know. Uh, and Oh, yes, and Nomsa Nene. You remember Nomsa Nene who was... Uh, uh, she was on an SABC show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm giving away my age here now. But uh, that being said, uh, allow me at this point to uh, welcome uh, Mamudupi Mushala, and uh, she joins us now in studio. Mamudupi? Good evening, Ayabonga, and good evening to the listeners at home. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Before now we get to, I guess, all of the work that you do at uh, the uh, EAAB and uh, finding out about what it is. Let's maybe first find out about Mamudupi. Who's Mamudupi? Where did you grow up? Uh, and uh, certainly you've worked in the regulation space for a very long period of time. So maybe just if you can yes. touch, on, uh, touch on that briefly. Okay, no, thank you very much. Thank you once again for ha- giving me this opportunity to come and speak to you and speak to your listeners. Well, who is Mamudupi? Mamudupi is the daughter of Nomaswazi Mutlala and Peter Mutlala. Uh, I was born in exile, brought up in exile. Okay. We came back to South Africa in 1994. Whereabouts? I was born in Swaziland. We okay. moved to Lesotho, Tanzania, Zimbabwe. And I studied in all those those countries mm. for my primary school and my high school. Then university, I did my junior degree at the University of Swaziland because at the time, obviously, because of the political situation, we couldn't come back to South Africa because sure. our, our parents were not allowed. They were they, they were not allowed in South Africa for political reasons. Mm. Then I did my junior degree. Thank thank goodness Mandela was released. There were the political changes. Then I came, we came back in 1993. Thereafter, I came and I did my LLB at WITS. Okay. And I did L, my LLM at WITS. And I'm, and I'm an admitted attorney mm. of the High Court. I was admitted um, in 1990. Okay, let me not give all the details. Don't give away. Start, we'll, start giving, we'll start calculating yeah, age Yeah, no, no, no. Some people work backwards. You know, our listeners <laughs> yeah, are very I know, smart. I know. They work uh, backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I won't give which mm. 90 was. Um, then I became an admitted attorney. Sure. Thereafter, I was a counselor at ICASA for many years. Okay. And I also started my own practice, which mm. I practiced in for quite a number of years. I worked in the telecommunication space sure. for a long time. And thereafter, I was pension funds adjudicator. Mm. Then I went back into the telecommunication or communication space. Sure. I was the DG of the Department of Communication. Then I was consumer commissioner. Then more recently, I was also the chairperson of the Gauteng Rental Housing mm. Tribunal. Okay. What and an now, illustrious career. Yeah, now, yes, now I'm in property. Okay. Okay, yes. I, I I have just one brief interest, and we'll, we'll come back to I guess mm-hmm. uh, your foray now into the world of property. Mm-hmm. But coming back from exile, I mean, 1993, you go to Vits, you go and study in LLP, mm-hmm. uh, in what I think at the time was a lily white campus, uh, sort of sprinkle of a few black people. Correct. You then work as an attorney, uh, where I guess you're competing for briefs with many people in a male-dominated and a white-dominated space. How was that for you in the early days before you even went into the world of regulation? Yeah. Let's firstly maybe start with articles. Mm. Articles, okay, even before articles, let's talk about VITS. I think VITS was a bit of a culture shock. Um, we, you know, we came back from exile thinking, you know what, this political changes, this is a new country, new revolution. Everybody is happy, merry, we will get along. 
this is a country. Everyone's on the same train. Correct. Mm. And I mean, this is what we'd been told about. This was the land of milk and honey. We'd been Mm. told about throughout the years in exile. Some of us were born in exile. had never even been to South Africa until um, 1993. But we came to the the realization and the the sad, sad awakening that, I mean, the laws may have changed. But perceptions and attitudes had not changed. And the value system. And the value mm. system had not changed. You went into an environment whereby there was a presumption that you, you don't know until you prove otherwise. Mm. So it was always an upward ba- uphill battle. But some of us made sure that, you know, you worked hard. In fact, I've never in my entire educational career studied as much as I studied at WITS because I wanted to make sure that I get through my LLB in track record time mm. because I had a scholarship. So I didn't have the luxury to fail or to repeat. Sure. So I had to get through in track record time and I had to make sure I get good marks because getting good marks meant that you get you got good articles. Mm. So irrespective of all those adverses, um, adversities, we still made sure we, we, we saw the, the, the other side of it. Sure. I then got articles at a firm called Denise Rates. I must say um, I found it to be very, it wasn't ready at the time for people mm. like me, a young black woman who was a free thinker and had her own opinion on how things should be done. I found that it was not only, uh, there was not only a racial um how could I put it? There was not only a racial, a lack of racial appreciation of diversity at that time, mm. but I also found that there was also challenges with regard to a lot of chauvinism because the legal yes. profession is a very, is a largely male profession. Mm. I mean, I, I remember when, when I walked in on my articles, they gave you a, a, a sheet of paper about your dress code. And they would say, yes, we actually had a dress code. And they would say women are expected to only wear closed toe shoes. You couldn't show your toes at work. I now look at candidate attorneys and they're allowed to wear jeans on Friday and they're, they're allowed to wear as they please. We actually had a dress code mm, mm, and mm. we'd have to wear a jacket to work every single day and you needed Jeepers. to look formal. But I also think obviously the profession at the time was a lot more conservative. But the issue of not allowing women to show their toes was very worrying to me because I thought that is not a very gender sensitive approach. Mm. But I also found that there was a very strong boys club. And but I think because of my upbringing, I then I was very sensitive to these issues and I was very steadfast that I would not be influenced by that. Then fast forward, I went into practice. Yes, Mm. it was not an easy road. It was a very difficult road and getting access to clients. And especially because there's always that there was always the perception that black attorneys would only specialize in certain areas of the law. Mm. For instance, if you wanted to get into commercial law, if you wanted to get into telecommunications law, like I wanted to get into it, it was actually very difficult. We only actually were able to get into those areas of the law, the specialized technical areas, because we started doing government work. And even from that point of view, we would have to start with dealing with issues of policy, drafting mm. legislation, you, they would introduce you slowly but surely and then you eventually get access to the sure, good work. Sure. But I think we, I was a bit luckier than others. I was able to get into your corporate work, into your telecommunications work and mm. I was also able to get into a lot of third party work which yeah. they, they really then helped. So I didn't really have to struggle that much at the beginning but it was obviously a, a huge learning curve and a person had to make mm. sure that they make sure that they perform yeah. to the best of their ability in all that they were doing. I mean I'm sure you draw a lot on those early experiences that you have. I mean, I'm quite interested in the point that you're making that, you know, they would divvy up work in certain kinds of ways mm. that, that would alienate black people and in particular black women. Uh, and one gets a sense of the same thing in, in the estate agency space that you've now gone into. True. I mean, if I go on uh, any sort of website there mm. and I check for a property for mm. rental or sales mm. purposes, mm. by and large, it, you know, the black estate agencies, and I mentioned a few of them mm. now, 
Um, in some instances, are seldom given the, the high-value property. So they'll be given property in the townships, uh, in the inner city, all of the low-value property, low-commission stuff, Correct. while uh, all of the bigger players, the Pam Goldings of the world, uh, continue to get uh, the lion's share of some of the more valuable work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wh- what then becomes the role of the Estate Agency Affairs Board and maybe some of the work that it does in ensuring that that transformation happens alongside regulating, I guess, the work uh, of uh, the estate agents themselves? Yes, no, I think that there are very there are lots of strong parallels there. But I think with the legal profession, even though we're not where we want to be, there have been great strides that have been made in relation to that. Because there's one thing that I also omitted to indicate is that I also am one of those that one of the attorneys that mark the board exam. Uh-huh. And that is very critical and important because what it then sa- starts to say is that black students, uh, black um, candidate attorneys will not just be failed because they are black and mm. they speak English in a certain way or express themselves in a certain way. Now, if you have black markers who are like them, who speak the same way, then we're able to pick up those mm. nuances. And it has actually helped with the pass rates, which has also increased the representation of black, uh, young black people and also black women in the profession. Now, the parallel with regard to the estate agency affairs board and the estate agency agency um, sector. I must say, when I walked into the estate agency sector, I actually was quite surprised by the statistics, statistics that I, f- I found, because I found that um, currently there's about 43,000 estate agents who are registered with, F- with uh, a valid fidelity fund certificates. But of those, we found that only 1,000 are black um, estate agents, mm. and those are your full status agents and your principal agents combined. And then if you take interns, then you can add another 2,000 to that. But we don't want interns only in that that industry. Mm. We want full status agents who make a living from being estate agents. Mm. And the critical critical issue is that you find that a lot of black estate agents don't stay in this, this industry because of the hardships that are encountered in relation to it. It is an industry which is commission based and you're as good as your last sale. And if you don't have a continuous stream of sales, it becomes mm. a problem. It's also, I think, capital intensive. I mean, a lot of these are partnerships or, or, or people are s- set up a shop and they need sort of uh, other people to buy in there. And where are you going to get that money if all you've Correct. been working for is commission? Exactly. And don't forget, a lot of, uh, a lot of our people, especially pers- persons from historically disadvantaged backgrounds, come from a very low income base when yes. they get into any sector. Mm. So we then have said as the estate agency affairs board, we can't allow this to continue we need to put systems in place. So we've come up with a two-pronged strategy. We are saying, yes, you need inter- internships because you have to find a way of bringing young people into the system because obviously there's a training and it's a profession. So we, we've then committed ourselves to a target of recruiting 10,000 interns within the 2019-2020 financial year. Then the two subsequent financial years will, will, will recruit another 10,000 each with a total of 30,000 over three years. Then combined with that, we're also going to adopt mm. the strategy whereby we're going to set up an incubation. Okay, Mamadupi, I want us to pause there on that uh, point of incubation and uh, we need to quickly take a spot break. But when we come back, we'll continue on that vein and uh, also uh, you unpacking some of the transformation efforts that are being undertaken by the EAAB, I should say. Six minutes it is before uh, 8 p.m. and uh, we are... With our thought leader on this uh, Thursday, Mamudupi Mushala, uh, who is the uh, Chief Executive Officer of the uh, Estate Agency Affairs Board. And uh, she uh, joins us here in the studio. And uh, uh, Mamudupi, you are making the case about incubation uh, before yes. we had to go to that spot break. Please continue. Yes. No, uh, what I was saying is that we, we plan on place, uh, putting in place an incubation system whereby we'll identify small to medium enterprises countrywide. And those inter- entities that will be identified will be given a combination of a grant and a loan from the 
the EAB mm. because we have what is called a fidelity fund. This is contribution of interest by members from their trust accounts. And that one of the objectives for that fidelity fund is to um, contribute towards transformation initiatives. So from that fidelity fund, we will then be setting up these companies. But in setting them up, we'll obviously be assisting them with all the infrastructure that they need to be put in place. But most critically, we believe that what has always been a challenge with regard to incubations is that they they, they set up an ent- we set up entities, give them all this money, and then walk away. So we don't want to just give them the monies and set them up. We want to also give them access to markets. And we are speaking to various government entities because we believe that the biggest consumer of products such as um, the burgers of products such as your leasehold and of also those who are responsible for purchase and sale of properties is government. Mm. So we intend on speaking to entities like your Department of Public Works to say what programs do you have, what projects do you have, give access to our estate agents. We also intend on speaking to DHS, our our mother um, department, which is yes. the Department of Human Settlement, to say here are our sister entities. For instance, your Shra Shra has got a big stock of um, lease properties. It's and a social, who's Shra? Shra is a social house. Housing yes. Regulatory Authority, yeah. and they fund a lot of social housing initiatives. Mm. In fact, all the social housing initiatives are, are funded by them, sure. and they roll out thousands of units every year. We are saying there is an opportunity for estate agents to play in that space mm. in relation to the administration and management of that. We're also saying there's a lot of RTP. Government's biggest headache is RTP, managing RTP, identifying um, users and occupants of RTP, especially in relation to your backroom dwellings mm. in the RTP space. Sure. We are saying, here's a role for estate agents to play. But we're also going to speak to your parastatals, your transnets, mm. your, 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 your process. They've got l- huge housing stock for their employees. And we're saying the given opportunity sure. to estate agents. But the most important one we're also speaking to is the banks. Mm. Because in any housing transaction, especially a sale of property transaction, whether it's residential or commercial, the banks play a big role in it. And we're saying, banks, please remove the barriers to entry, bond origination. And you find a lot of black estate agents do not have the relevant contacts in the banks. Mm. We are saying, let us create that catalyst so that if a, 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 if a black estate agent is selling property, let them not struggle sure. to get a bond for their potential okay. buyer. All right. Principalization. You've got a program around that. Yes. What's Prin- that? Principalization really is the next level because you find you have a, a person firstly goes through internship, then they become a full status agent, and then they become a principal. Mm. Principal is one is a an estate agent who can run their own business and employ other estate other estate agents. So from a transformation point of view, if we uh, if we, ex- uh, we if we accelerate principalization, that means you get a lot more estate agents who are not seeking employ or employment, but who become employers sure. and run their own businesses. And in doing that, we expect that that will have the 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 the, the effect of ensuring that there's an absorption of a larger mm. number of estate agents into the sector. But the other thing I think that's also important is to indicate that we've also already gone about to create partnerships. Sure. Because we realize that there is a need to obviously not only create incentives to be in the sector, but mm. also to stimulate interest within the sector. Yes. Because you find that with a lot of internships as well, you, people just get a stipend and that's the end of that. We found that there are many barriers to entry in the sector. For instance, access to telecommunications. We've struck relationships with the likes of your Vodacom who will be coming to the party and creating special packages for our interns so that they not only get access to tablets but they get access to data Mm. and the purpose of that as I'm sure you know marketing in terms of in in the estate agency sector does take place to 
a large extent on a, on digital mm. platforms. So that will actually facilitate and assist that. We've entered into partnerships with your first national bank. Sure. As I've already indicated, the issue of access to market and removing mm. barriers to entry for people from the banks. First National Bank has come to the party and said they're willing to work mm. with us. They will ex- assist with access to markets and access to mm. bonds. Are you expecting any resistance, I guess, to some of the plans that you have, the partnerships that you've created? And if so, how are you going to overcome that? Look, there will. I, I believe that there is an, a large element of resistance because mm. if there was no resistance, this would be a much better transformed sector. And from the figures that I've given to you, it's clear mm. it's not a transformed sector. So we do expect there will be a lot of resistance. Sure. And we do expect that there will be challenges along the way. But we intend on making sure that each time there's a challenge, mm. we will come with a counteroffensive on how to deal with it. That okay. is why we're even anticipating problems <laughs> and putting measures in place. Okay. Mahudupi, unfortunately, we have run out of time. Uh, but uh, it's a real pity. You know, I wish we had more time because then I could pick your brain on uh, so many other things, uh, be it the telecom space or even the world of law. Maybe you must come back, scarce not going a spectrum, and some of the issues there. As uh, someone who was quite close to the action in the early days Mm -hmm. of this industry, I think maybe many of you, when you were sort of uh, drafting some of the legislation, didn't think it would ever get this big, right? That's Uh, true. I'm sure. I'm sure you never thought. But uh, maybe I must speak to and uh, ask rather pleasantly (laughs) uh, for him to invite you back, uh, so we can have that conversation. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. I wish you all the best in uh, some of the work that you're doing to ensure that we create uh, viable pathways for black estate agents into this industry. It's an important industry. Uh, It's uh, an important uh, industry when we think about intergenerational uh, transfer of wealth. Um, And I think uh, it's uh, crucial for us to have Mm. people who are champions of this like yourself uh, in the thick of things there. So thank you so much. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. Awesome stuff. Thank you to your listeners. Awesome. That there was uh, the Chief Executive Officer at the Estate Agency Affairs Board, the EAAB, uh, Mamudupi Moshala, joining us uh, here on uh, Metro FM Talk. One minute it is after 9 p.m. We're going to have to leave it there. I'm going to leave you with the man with the music. Centler is going to be with you from 9 right through to midnight. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs>